Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, Frank Vogel had some interesting things to say about Avery Bradley that don't at all worry me. I'm not nervous. I'm not concerned. There's no reason to be nervous about his statements there. I'm not nervous at all. Oh, and we got some more information on injuries uh, that, again, not nervous, not concerning, not, I'm not, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Trevor Ariza actually addressed the media today for the first time since uh, his opening day, you know, the the, the media day availability. And, you know, for somebody who has been out for as long as he has, this is usually a pretty good sign when the Lakers are are putting him in front of the press, putting him in front of the camera uh, to be able to talk about what he's hoping to bring when he gets back, uh, the actual eventuality of him coming back. On a week from today, as you guys are listening to this, will mark the uh, eight-week stretch of the four-to-eight-week or six-to-eight-week period that the Lakers were saying it was going to take before Ariza could be reevaluated. That doesn't mean that he is definitely coming back on Tuesday or a week from Tuesday or a week from today, but it does seem to me moving in that direction. And look, the Lakers desperately need more uh, wing availability, especially because Kent Bazemore has become literally unplayable, somebody who is not touching the court in moments where the game is still in question. And then, you know, given the fact that they don't have anybody beyond LeBron James, who is athletic and, you know, has the right combination of of athleticism and size to play small forward. So uh, you have Taylor Horton Tucker trying but there are moments where a, an actual small forward sized human being, he's he's either guarded by one or has to guard one. And you see, oh, yeah, that's right. It helps to be bigger in basketball. So just getting Ariza back will help the Lakers in, in a few ways. Uh, and that does seem like it is coming closer. Unlike Trevor Ariza, Kendrick Nunn did not speak in front of the media today or yesterday. And look, the amount of information or the lack thereof regarding Kendrick Nunn is really concerning at this point. This is somebody who was supposed to only miss two to three weeks with uh, a bone bruise following an ankle sprain. Uh, Both of those things were played down at the time, and they were being extremely cautious and all these things. We did get a little information uh, on on the bone bruise itself, saying that it was in a bad spot, uh, though... To be completely honest, I don't know if there is a good spot on the knee to get a bone bruise. And so, look, the fact that we aren't getting any information on this guy, and he is now considered uh, not close, according to both Dave McMenamin and Zach Lowe on the low post, this is really concerning at this stage. And it really calls into question not just this guy like being available in the next week or so, couple weeks or so, month or so, the fact that we don't have any real information or any kind of timeline on this guy for what is essentially a bruise really makes me nervous that this guy's going to be available at all this season. And, and and by the way, I'm not alone at all. You know, Behind the scenes, there are a lot of people who are a little nervous about what the hell is going on about Kendrick Nunn. And look, if the Lakers can't get this guy healthy at all this season, even if you can't quite predict injuries that's fair you can't there's no way to know that he was going to get the world's worst 
bone bruise and the history of bones and bruises. Uh, you, given the fact that the Lakers saw him as a as even a reasonable facsimile of Alex Caruso this season and essentially said, well, if we can't sign Kendrick Nunn, we can't bring in Alex Caruso, bring back Alex Caruso. That makes Nunn one of the worst signings maybe on Palinka's resume. Uh, so they got to hope that they get this guy back. We need to start getting a little bit more information about this guy because he and the training staff are just being held, hung out to dry here. Uh, and and again, it's the same thing that we've talked about with LeBron's injury, with uh, Anthony Davis's injuries, with wh- whatever the, the, the injury situation it is, the, the complete lack of, of clarity on any of this is quite frankly a failure on the part of the Lakers in, in, in relaying important information to the people covering this team and more importantly, the people who root for this team and who, look, I got to be frank, the, the people who are betting on this team. I'm sure there are gambling partners with the league who are saying, hey, y'all got to clean that stuff up over there because there are lines and there are bets and there are all these things that are coming into play that uh, when when gambling became a more pressing issue for the NBA, you figured that was going to be cleaned up. And it was for a little while. And then now it's right back, I would argue, the Lakers are, are maybe the worst in the league at handling this kind of information or relaying this kind of information. And, uh, you know, given the, the way that they handled their business with other media relations, this isn't all that surprising. Someone we do have quite a bit of information on was uh, being spoken about at practice as uh, Frank Vogel was kind of defending the role that Avery Bradley plays on this Lakers team. Uh, the Kamenetsky brothers were, were there and, and asked about Avery Bradley and the starting lineup and and how bad that group has been basically and uh they were you know Frank Vogel basically explained why he sticks with Bradley the way that he does quote effort effort and intensity is infectious he plays extremely hard I know the numbers you're talking about we take them with a grain of salt when a guy is bringing that type of effort and intensity it's just an intangible thing that energizes the group and sets the tone for our different for our defense uh, so there's a lot of positives with what he brings to the table and quote. Okay. But those things like <laughs> defensive ability is actually measurable. Like we actually do know how good the Lakers are defensively when he is on the court. Uh, when he is on the court, they hold a defensive rating of 109.3. When he isn't on the court, they hold a defensive rating of 106.0. So whether he is or he isn't, the Lakers aren't very good defensively. That aligns with what we've all been watching. Offensively is a bigger difference here, right? Offensively, when he's on the court, the Lakers have an offensive rating of 98.6. And when he's off of the court, he holds a uh, the Lakers hold an offensive rating of 108.3 uh, points per 100 possessions. So that means when he's on the court, the Lakers have a defensive rating or a, or a net rating of negative 10.7 when he steps off the court the Lakers get 2.3 points per 100 possessions better and like yeah he can you, you, he can talk all he wants about intangibilities and swag and all of these things that he likes to talk about with players who everybody knows aren't very good in those moments uh, but but at the end of the day what this sounds to me like is a coach who has made his mind up on one of his you know, coaches' pets, right? We all had those growing up. 
He has made his mind up on a player and is sticking with that player no matter what the new information gives him. And fine, whatever. If that if if Frank Vogel considers Avery Bradley important enough to try to make work in the Lakers rotation, then you actually have to try to make it work. <laughs> you have to put this guy out there, A, in lineups that actually make up for his deficiencies on one side of the court or the other, or optimize his what he brings to the table on one side of the court or the other. For Avery Bradley, he is a dogged defender. Uh, he is somebody who... who at, he sets a tone like what what Frank Vogel is talking about when he says that energy is is infectious. What he's talking about is all right. He, he's our point of attack kind of guy. He's our tone setter from the perimeter, and we expect everybody else to to match that type of of intensity on the perimeter defensively. Okay, cool. Well, then you can't play somebody like like DeAndre Jordan, who is unwilling to match that kind of defensive intensity, and also makes you worse offensively so that when Avery Bradley is out there and defenses aren't paying as much attention to him, they don't have another player also out there to, to ignore offensively. And again, like this is, I think it's stupid if Frank Vogel is, is, is valuing Avery Bradley to the point where he is going out of his way to make lineups work for Bradley. I think it's dumb. I think, Given the fact that Avery Bradley is on a non-guaranteed contract, I'm cool with just letting the guy walk at this stage. Because especially as guys get healthier, Trevor Ariza among them, like you don't need that skill set as much anymore. And then again, like this is something that we have talked about on this podcast and on all of the other podcasts across this channel, is that when Avery Bradley is out there, Vogel is putting him basically on islands. He is putting him on. They're the other team's best perimeter player. Uh, a lot of times that best perimeter player is bigger than Bradley or more athletic at this stage of his career than Bradley. And and Bradley is is not at that stage of his career where he can actually continue to do those things. So it'd be one thing if if Vogel was actually setting Bradley up in, in, a, in places to be able to succeed, then fine. Like then I, I wouldn't have as big a problem with Vogel ignoring numbers. But it, at a certain point, the the sample size just gets too big to ignore. Like so far in the in those minutes that we're talking about, minutes with Bradley off of the court, that's six hundred and twenty-three minutes. That's four hundred and sixty-eight minutes with him on the court. With him on the court, like he has played the fifth most minutes of any Laker so far this season. So it's not like, you know, we've we're making up decisions head on our way in. And by the way, like I wasn't thrilled. Because I knew this was going to, you know, play out the way that it's playing out with Vogel when they brought Bradley in. Bradley is Vogel's binky, right? He's his his blankie. He's somebody who Vogel watches him go out there and try super duper hard and slap the floor and do all these things that that uh, college and high school coaches care about. I just hope that Frank Vogel, being an NBA coach, would be able to see past some of that stuff. And at least put the defender that Avery Bradley is in 2021 in situations where he can still be effective. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown. Uh, no Anthony Irwin show uh, yesterday or, or today. I, as you guys can probably still hear in my voice, it is not exactly uh, <laughs> perfect right now. So I'm going to go ahead and put it in a better situation to succeed and stop talking. 
the Taco Tuesday guys, Alex uh, Regla and Alex Padilla, are going to um, analyze tonight's game after it happens, at which point I will also have another lowdown for you guys tomorrow. A uh, couple other posts to to keep an eye on on silverscreenroll.com. Uh, Harrison wrote up uh, a, a good summary of the Kendrick Nunn situation as well as Avery Bradley's uh, role on the team. So you're going to want to check both of those things out. And then until tomorrow, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.